Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him... They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You may be seated, and may God bless his word this morning. Feast of the Incarnation. Many people refer to this as Christmas time. Um, But again, as I mentioned last week, and for those who are just here this week, um, Christmas, Christ Mass, is really more of a a Roman Catholic term. And so this isn't a a moment of bashing Roman Catholicism. I don't mean it that way. Other than to understand what that term really means. And for the Roman Catholics, Mass is a time of sacrificing Christ. They have morning Mass and evening Mass. And so the Christ Mass was a remembrance of that. And so for, for me, for us, this is more of a celebration, if you would, a biblical remembrance of when God came to earth, when the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world that he who had created the heavens and the earth stooped down and became part of 
his own very creation. What a mind-boggling moment it is. And so we saw it um, last week. We looked at these a little bit in more detail. But just as a, a brief, again, reminder and review, that this incarnation of God isn't a New Testament concept. This is from the Old Covenant, from the Old Testament. And we see it declared by Isaiah himself. In Isaiah 48, we read, and last week I had a bigger part of this context, but verse 16 is the part that states it. It says, this is Yahweh speaking. Yahweh says, now come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. I was there, and now Yahweh Adonai and his Ruach, his spirit, have sent me. And so Yahweh is speaking, and he refers to Yahweh Adonai, and then also to Yahweh Adonai's Ruach, or his spirit. Three parts within the triunity, the trinity of the Godhead. Again, I don't want to make a words, you know, trinity, triunity, doesn't matter. The fact that we're talking about the Godhead, and, the God, and within the Godhead, there are three persons that are referred to as, and Yahweh declares that he would be sent, and we see that again then in Zechariah chapter 2, in Zechariah 2, where we read, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, says Yahweh. Many nations shall be joined to Yahweh in that day and they shall become my people and I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that Yahweh Shabbat, the Lord of hosts, has sent me to you. So again, Yahweh is speaking now through the prophet Zechariah. And this is only one of the occasions, also in Zechariah chapter 4, it's stated there as well, that Yahweh declares that he would come and he would literally, physically dwell in their midst and that he would be sent here Yahweh Sabaoth. And so so he would come. And we see then that how that plays out. And again, I could go to a lot of verses in the New Covenant where we see Jesus referred to as God. But this one is very, very clear. Again, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I'll stop for a moment. For, I took out a little section off there for the space on my slide. Anybody remember in the Greek what that really says, in the Word was God? What does that really say? God was the word is literally how it says it in the Greek, which is very important when you look at it because it is a definition of who God is, not a definition of who the word is. God is the word. We're not, so the Jehovah Witnesses are going to come to you and the Jehovah Witnesses are going to tell you that it, what this says is the word was a God. It doesn't say that in the Greek. God, theos, is actually first. And it's a definition of who God is, not a definition of who the Word is. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. What do we know about this one who was the Word? He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world knew him not. He was the creator. So this individual, or this entity, whoever is the Word, we know God is the Word in that this God who was the Word is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and that the earth didn't recognize him. But then we also know from verse 14 that the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation. The Word, he was born. But do you get the, the, the terminology here? The Word became flesh and tabernacled, dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth 
He who was before time. He who created time. Stepped into time. He who was before matter. We can debate that one. But I believe that he is before matter. He who created matter. Spoke it from what was nothing. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Stepped into matter. And took upon matter. Took upon himself the form of a man. And the likeness of man became as a bondservant. That's what this season is all about. And so we like then to, to do what a lot of people then will refer to as Advent. I, again, I just see this all as a season, as a feast, as a reminder, as a, a way of combating what the world is sucking you into right now. Because Christmas, the festival of lights, if you would, that's what it's being called now, is all about materialism. And it's not. Do you get it? This is all about what the sovereign God did for you. And we could debate the timing of, the, of this, but I feel, and it's not for right now, but if you want to get with me later, I, biblically I feel like this is the proper season and that Satan has, misused, has, has put in counterfeits and, and tried to distract from the whole thing. But that biblically I believe that this probably is the season in which the light of the world did come into the, into the world. And so... So each week then, coming into this, as we look toward this time when we reflect upon this and we commemorate the, the incarnation of God into the world, we are spending the four weeks then preparing and looking toward that and combating and trying to keep our mind focused. And uh, looking at then this year, the voices of the incarnation. Last week, we considered the voices of faith, and that was Mary and Joseph, how they both had to express faith in the plan of God, and how God wanted to use them in that. Again, I just, I can't imagine being Mary. I mean, what, what woman ever gave, a, gave birth as a virgin in the past? And I know for her and Joseph, they could read Isaiah, and they could read about the prophecies, but do you think you're going to be used by God to fulfill whatever prophecies out there, even going into the future? I mean, we have future prophecies. Do you really believe that God's going to use you? No, I mean, we, we think, ah, oh, who am I to be the person that's going to be used? And yet, God came to Mary, and God came to Joseph, and he asked them to put aside what they were doing to join him in the work which he had for them to perform, the voices of faith. Today, secondly, we want to look at the voices of good news, the voices of good news and remind ourselves that this is a time of great rejoicing a time also for us to be challenged to follow in the footsteps of you would of the angels and of the shepherds because this wasn't something that was going to happen that was going to be hidden in in a corner but rather it was going to be an event that was going to begin a, a series of events that were going to change all of history, that all of history would focus upon this moment. So today, we want to look at then these voices of good news. First, starting with 
the proclamation of the angels. We see again in Luke chapter 2, as David read earlier, that the timing of all this, of when it was going to be, and that's kind of exciting by itself, I don't want to get into it, but just from the perspective, you can, you can do an analysis on when this all occurred, okay? And you can, there's been a lot of processing being done. You could go to astrology and you, uh, astronomy, and you can kind of look at confluence of stars and stuff like that. And this is really kind of exciting that God, again, did this in such a way that he put out great detail to let everybody know that somebody wasn't making this thing up. That there is substantial facts and proof that this was an actual event. And so, when all this is playing out, we have these shepherds. They're out in the field keeping watch over their flocks. We'll come to, back to them in just a moment, okay? But I, again, try to put myself in the position of each one of these people. And I try to put myself in the, the spot of being one of these shepherds. And I'm just kind of hanging out in the, in the field. We've probably got a little bitty fire going, right? We're toasting marshmallows and hot dogs. Probably not back then. Anyways, but having just a little bit of fellowship together. This is a normal night. Yeah? I mean, just a normal night. You're kind of hanging out. And then what happens? It gets interrupted by these angels. Do you ever wonder what these angels look like? So I, I mentioned this in Sunday school, having my little angel tie on. This is the one Sunday a month I get to wear my angel tie, Okay. This is not, this is not what the angels look like. But this is exactly what we think of the angels. They, they're, they're cute little maybe cherubim kind of things with wings on them and they're, and they're blowing their, their horns and, and, and they're singing, remember? And they're singing. Isn't that how we, we picture this? This tie is so far from the truth. <laughs> do not look at this tie and say, oh, that's what an angel looks like. It has nothing to do with angels. Throw it out. So anyways, they come. And first, there's a single angel, a single messenger who comes and he's going to present a message to these, these shepherds. But the first thing he tells them is to what? Fear? Fear not, right? Because why? Just like Mary and Joseph, they're probably greatly afraid, right? I mean, it was the last time you saw an, an angel. And so they come and they give this message. Um, he gives, first of all, to them. He says, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The good news is the, is the Greek word, uangaliots, uh, uangalizo. It was where we get our, the only reason I'm telling you this, because it's where we get our word evangelism. You bring it right over, evangelism is actually a transliterated word. It goes right back into the Greek as uangaliots, or uangalizo, okay? They, they brought them good news. And know what he says, it's good news to who? All people. This is really kind of exciting. Um, again, the word people there is the word laos, okay, which refers to nations or, or, or people groups, okay? And so Israel called themselves the people. And so if the angel would have come and he would have said, Behold, I bring you glad tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be to the people, then this message would have been limited. It would only be to Israel. But he doesn't say that. He says this is a message of good news, of great joy to all peoples. This is exciting to me. Because this, again, from the get-go, from the time that Christ is being born, 
This message is going to be something that's going to go beyond Israel. It's going to go to you and me as Gentiles. And, and, and the church in its kernel state is being exposed right here. So, what do we have? First of all, we have the result of the good news. will be It'll be great joy. The target is to all people. The heart of the good news, though, is what? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. It doesn't say that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. But then it says who is, would be Mashiach and I, who is Christos Kyrios. It's not who is Christ the Lord, but it actually is just a, a, a title by itself. The Savior will be, if you would, going back into the Hebrew, Mashiach Adonai. And so they were looking forward, the Jews, the Israelites, were looking forward to this moment that, that at some point in the future, Messiah would come. The anointed would come. And now when he comes, he's referred to as potentially Mashiach Adonai, or Look at what it says as the angel goes on, or as, as he comes. Beginning at verse 9. And behold, an angel of who? The Lord. Take that back into the Old Testament. Okay? Take that back into the Hebrew. What do we think that is? Behold, an angel of who? Yahweh. Hmm. Behold, an angel of Yahweh stood before them in the glory of who? Yahweh, shown around about them. So now all of a sudden we get into this Mashiach. Maybe it's Mashiach Yahweh. But I'm okay with even saying Mashiach Adonai. But my point is that there is even a, a, a tinge of a hint here of who Jesus was, even in the statement. That you have the, um, the angel of Yahweh, the glory of Yahweh, declaring the Mashiach of Yahweh. That was going to be here in their press, presence. And so, so we have this message of good news to all people, right? The result of the good news, the target of the good news, the heart of the good news. This is something then that is explained and decreed in Isaiah 43, verse, beginning of verse 9, where we read. Let me grab it here so I'll read it off my paper. Okay, it says, let all the nations. How many? All the nations. Not just the nation. Remember again, if it said let the nation... Okay, it would only be Israel. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified. Or if they can't do that, because there's no other true God, right? And that's the whole idea here. So if they can't do that, then what should they do? Let them hear and say, it is truth. How many truths are there? One. There's only one absolute truth and what i what yahweh is declaring through isaiah is that all your truths are not truths all your little g gods are false gods figure it out stand stand here like a man if you would kind of like the job thing okay and and declare your god defend your god for me prove your god for me i kind of again picture this like elijah up on mount mount carmel right and so, but if you can't do that, then what are you going to have to declare? There is only one true God. So let them hear and say, it is truth. You are my witnesses, says Yahweh, 
in my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. How many gods before Yahweh? None. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. How many gods will be formed after Yahweh? So, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Do we have a problem with that? Of course it is. Why? Because it goes exactly against what Yahweh declared. Now, what's going to be kind of fun is you're going to see this is exactly where the Jehovah Witnesses get their name. You are my witnesses, saith Jehovah, right? But yet they ignore the context of their very own of their very own name. Yahweh declares, Before me there was no God, neither shall there be any after me. I, even I, am Yahweh, and beside me there is no... What? No Savior. There is born unto you this day, in the city of David, a what? A what? A Savior. We finished Titus, going through Titus in Sunday school, a few weeks ago, go back to Titus, look at chapter 1, look at chapter 2, look at chapter 3. Three times Paul declares God as a Savior and Jesus Christ as a Savior. He blends the two of them together. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ, the Word, is God. He is the Savior. He is Yahweh incarnate. And He alone is our Savior. There is no other Savior. I am and I am Yahweh, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my what? Witnesses, says Yahweh, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? No one can change the plan of God. None. And there is only one true God. In that one true God would come to the earth and he would be the savior of men. Do you get who it is? I mean, it doesn't need to be any clearer than that. But if you understand that, if you know that truth, if you will hear and understand it as truth, then what should you be? Witnesses. Witnesses of the truth that he alone is God. That Yahweh alone is God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 24. You can check me out on this. Unless you believe I am, I am, you will die in your sins. Now, what your English versions are going to say, unless you believe I am he, but you'll note that the he, if in a literal version, is in italicies because it's not there in the Greek. It says, ego me, unless you believe I am, I am, you will die in your sins. We're talking about foundational truths. One of the very foundational truths in coming to Jesus Christ is to understand who he is. He is the creator. He is Yahweh incarnate who came to men. And so when I go out to witness, and I don't go out to witness to people that they can have health and wealth. I don't go out to witness to people that they can come and have a good time. They don't go out to witness and say, hey, come to our church so you can have good music. You've been here, right? Anyways, so we have great music, but you get what I'm saying. But when I go out to witness, it has nothing to do about us. It has everything to do about who? God himself. That God came to earth, paid the penalty of my sin and your sin, 
on the cross, was raised from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you. How incredible is that? Now, can I, can I fully wrap my, my, my brain around the Godhead and how part of the Godhead came in, in a flesh? No, I can't. But do you know what? I don't have to. Why? Because I'm not God. If I understood everything there was about God and I could define God, then I'd be God. But I'm just a created being. And whether you like it or I like it or not, I'm unlimited created being. And I only have what he's revealed to me. And as these Gentiles were told to, I need to hear and declare it is truth. And then I need to go out and be his witnesses. So, it was a message of good news, but it was also a message of good pleasure to mankind. Note, first of all, this expression of praise that the angels give to Yahweh as they begin to declare this. It says, suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, not singing, but saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, first I want to declare there was with the, the, the angel a multitude of the what? Heavenly what? Host. The term is for an army, not a choir. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, is, is the Yahweh of the army. There was encamped around Bethlehem that night an army of angels, probably not carrying a horn or a harp. Well, no, they had, maybe they had a harp. I mean, David had a harp. I mean, they had a harp. I mean, come on. No, oh, they had swords. They were there ready for battle. If you were Satan and you knew what was going, getting ready to happen, what would you be wanting to do? Kill him. In fact, that's how we see it play out later when Herod goes to kill all the kids. But God has his army, his host, protecting and defending this miraculous moment. It wasn't going to play out this moment. It would play out later in God's timing. In the fullness of time, just as Jesus was born in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, he would what? He would be the propitiation for our sins. And he would then give himself up finally. But God would give him up to be abused by mankind. But this wasn't that moment. And so that angel host was there. In fact, that's why Jesus says when he's in the garden, do you understand that at this very moment I could call down a legion of angels? Why? Because they're here. They're, you don't, do you realize there's a battle going on in this room right now? I mean, you just don't see it. There is spiritual hosts battling and fighting all through this nation. I mean, think about when Daniel was on the earth and he was praying. And then, whether it was Gabriel, whether it was Michael, whether it was Jesus, came to give him the, the, uh, the answer from his prayer. And he says, look, I started 21 days ago, but I've been being withheld by the prince of Persia. That was a, that was a demonic 
angel, a demonic spiritual being who was battling in the spiritual realm. So a spiritual answer was coming to him, but he had to wait 21 our days to get the answer because this battle was going on in the spiritual realm. I had this mind-boggling thing. There's this war going on. But God said, not today. Not today. And so that multitude of the heavenly host, <laughs> now you can kind of understand the shepherds just a little bit. Don't, again, not, we don't have, the, we don't have the, the First Baptist choir showing up to sing, okay? And I don't mean that anything derogatory to First Baptist Church, okay? But, but we got, the, we got the, the, the 82nd Airborne showing up in their full regalia. Get a little bit different feeling coming here, okay? And so, and all of a sudden, this, so think of this army unit, right? And they start occurring what? Glory to God in the highest! Amen. That's exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, you, yeah, you know, you, the hoorah, you know, I can just see it. You know, it's kind of a Marine thing. Anyways, you kind of, hoorah, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what? Two things. Peace. Goodwill. The term there is the word good pleasure. So glory in the highest. And again, I didn't talk about that, but the, the term there is the, literally, it's not glory to God in the highest, but it's in the highest. It's the, um, the highest of all things. And so um, Jesus is referred to by demons as the son of the most high, son of the highest. That's how that term is being used. And so this is glory to God of the highest. I mean, it's like you can't go any bigger than who God is. Okay, so there's no other God bigger than this God. This is glory to God in the highest. But then the expression of peace to man is a, juxt- a juxtaposition here of the good pleasure of God and the peace of God. Now, this is important because um, what we read of um, in Luke 12, I don't have these up here. Um, I want everybody to turn to it. We're going to do a, a turn to it today moment. Okay, so Luke 12. So everybody turn to Luke 12 and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about this peace that he came to bring. Luke 12, beginning at verse 51. It says, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Wasn't that what we just read? Do you suppose that I came to bring peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother in law against her daughter in law, and daughter in law against her mother-in-law wait this doesn't make sense the the this heavenly host just declared what peace on earth right and jesus said i didn't come to bring peace on earth not from the perspective of man turn with me to john chapter 14 john 14 Verse 27, Jesus has just told them that he's going to be sending the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit to them. And he says to them, verse 27, says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Jesus didn't come to bring peace from the perspective of the world. The world wants everybody to just get along. That's the, that's the, 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 the statement of the, the Unitarians. That's that coexist bumper sticker. Let everybody get along. It doesn't really matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you really think. We all have our faiths. We can just all get along. And Jesus said what? That's not how it plays out. There's only, again, one truth. You need to hear and believe in that truth. If you don't, you are condemned in your sin. John 8. There is only one truth. And so from now on, there will be a division that will come between those who believe in this truth and those who don't believe in this truth. But those who will believe in this truth, what will happen? They will find the peace of God. They will understand. So John 16, Jesus declares, verse 22 and 23, I'm sorry, 32 and 33. Yeah, I was looking at 22 and 23. That's not what I wanted to read. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, be of good courage, really is a better translation. I have overcome the world. So unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is coming to bring what? Peace on the earth, but not to give blanket peace on the earth, but he's coming to bring peace, if you would, to the earth. Because without him, you don't have it. I know, it sounds like you're saying the same thing, but I'm not. Good. That's exactly right. He's coming to bring. So he is coming to bring peace to or on the earth, but not peace amongst everybody on the earth. Does it make sense? So, there is not a conundrum that's here. It seems like a conundrum, but it's not a conundrum. He is coming to bring peace, but he's not coming to bring peace like the world seeks to define peace. Rather, you have to believe in that kernel of truth. And when you do, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And so, we continue on. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, because in this concept then of peace, along with the good pleasure of God, and we have a long portion here, Ephesians 1, beginning of verse 3, blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I want to read it from my, I got notes on mine, so I'm going to look at it from mine here. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he, ah, I got it so small, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, we'll come back to that, according to his good pleasure, that's our word, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you see a whole lot of counsel and will and purpose going on here? That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Drop down to chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. We'll come back and, and talk about all this together one time. Chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that you... Once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And so by that access, access Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, back here in Ephesians, what's very important, that, that passage, chapter 1, uh, verse 5, and then again in verse 9, you see our word here for good pleasure, that they, the, the juxtaposition of this good pleasure that's here, okay? And the idea is, um, in many of your translations, it says, um, peace on earth to men of good favor, or to whom is favor. Am I right? Is that what it says? It's not what it says in the Greek. There are two things that, that we're told in this statement that, that Jesus Christ is coming to bring on the earth. Peace and the good pleasure of God. Jesus came to the earth, brought then to all men, to mankind, okay, because we have 
a good pleasure to mankind, okay, because the word that's being used here is anthropos, and it's talking about, so not just man, andros, but anthropos to mankind, that he's bringing to mankind peace, which you can accept or you can reject. He's bringing it. And so if you want to do peace in your own way, you can do peace in your own way. Sad thing is you're going to die. In your peace, your way is going to end. That's just how it plays out. But if you choose then God's peace, you will then also find his good pleasure because God has a plan and a purpose. And that's what Ephesians 1 is talking about. So look what it says in verse 5. Having predestined pro or itso us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to what? The good pleasure of his thelema, his will. Now, there are two primary words, and so Calvinists love to, to, to split these words, and you can't. Thelema talks about your will, your desire. And then there's the word boule, or boulemai, the verb form, which talks about, if you would, the counsel. But it's also the will of God. And so here, those words are used interchangeably, as they are in Romans chapter 9. A Calvinist wants to tell you that though it may be God's will for all men to be saved, it's not his purpose. It's not his ordained counsel. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Because look what it says. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his what? The lema, his desires, his wish, his will. Well, if that's the case, then, then it's not predestined, is it? Because if it's predestined, that means it was foreordained. It was preordained. And so that, that doesn't play out right. And so you've got to be careful when you start splitting hairs with words and theologies, is where I'm going here, okay? Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I have it all down pat. I don't think God defined to us very clearly how he plays it all out. It's a mystery. And it's another area which I got to say, I guess I'm not God, and I got God be God. I know that I can't get saved on my own. Can you? No. That, I mean, God's the one who established the path. By his grace, he established the way that we would come by faith. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a what? It's a gift of God. You didn't come up with a plan. You didn't, you didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think it's a good idea. God in his grace, because I couldn't do it on my own. So, but we'll have, we'll have God, by his grace, make a way that all I got to do is believe. And, and then, no, it's not what it says. It's a gift from God. God's the one who established that before they laid the foundations of the world that we could come by faith to him. This is his good pleasure. How fun is this? I mean, here we are, these shepherds, they haven't got a clue what all they're hearing. I mean, but, but God has chosen to bring his messengers to the lowest class of people. They were stinking shepherds. I mean, they, they hung out with sheep all the time. You know how it is when your, your dog's stinking because his dog's been out too much, and all of a sudden you've been petting your dog and hanging out with your dog, and you start smelling like your dog, and you say to yourself, I've got to get a shower because I stink like this dog, you know. The dog needs to get a shower first. Anyways, and then you, you know, but then you. But the, the fact is, that's the shepherds. And so nobody wanted to hang out with the shepherds because they were stinky. Make sense? And so, but God brings this message to, to these shepherds. How cool is that? And it is a message that is just so packed 
with massive theology. If you had an important message that you wanted to give to the whole world, who would you have went to? Would you have went to the, the teachers of the law who would have understood all those prophecies? Would you have went to the, the Pharisees who, who were righteous and who would have gladly accepted a, 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 a sign from the angels, right? Not really. Zechariah had an, had an angel come to him. And what did he say? Can you give me a sign? I mean, Mary saw the angel and she says, Whoa, let it be unto me. I am God's bond slave. Let it happen to me. But Zechariah, who is the priest, he's in offering the sacrifice or the, 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 um, the incense, right? You'd think he'd be the one who was excited that God's revealing something to him. And he's like, Wow, this is cool. I can't believe God, you know, you are so awesome. And he says, Can I have a sign? Sure, you have a sign. You're gonna be, you'll be mute. <laughs> You're not talking anymore. And so God, God has this, this, this important message. I mean, think about it. Can you think of any more important message to tell people that for unto you is born this day in a city of David, a Savior who is Mashiach Adonai, and He's coming so He can bring peace to mankind, and He can, He's coming so He can. Bring the purpose of God, the good pleasure of God to mankind. And you're entrusting it to who? Shepherds. This is important because we go from this proclamation of the angels to the proclamation of the shepherds. And again, there then in Luke chapter 2, we continue on. So it was, verse 15... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Whoa, I can't believe it. Woo, what did we, who, who made the stew tonight? What did you put in the stew? Steve, were you, did you, what did you put in? Too much paprika or what, man? Secret ingredient. I mean, we have halluc- mass hallucinations going on here. Did you, get, did you guys see what I saw? Yeah, I was like, whoa. It's not how it played out. Look what it says. The minute they leave, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has what? Made known to us. The first thing we see is their what? Their faith. What's the other thing that the angel told them that we didn't talk about? This will be a what? A sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. How many babes at that time? would be wrapped in swaddling cloths. All of them. Okay, so far we got a really good sign here. But he'll be what? Laying in a manger. Now all of a sudden we have something that's what? A little bit more defined. Now remember, you got to remember, <laughs> this is fun to me. This is, this is such a blast. I mean, you really got to put yourself into this and think this, what's happening here, okay? So they, they are in the, in the field, right? They're outside of what city? Bethlehem, okay? So they're outside of Bethlehem. What's going on right now? I I stated it right from the beginning. The census, okay? And as a result of the census, that all the world should be taxed or counted, okay? What what, what had to happen? You had to go back to your your home, your your lineage birth, okay? So Joseph took Mary back to where? Bethlehem, Why? Because he was of the house in the lineage of David. How many, how many descendants of David do you think there were? And it wasn't just David, but really David was the son of who? 
Jesse. That's why it was that um, Samuel went to Bethlehem to anoint David, because he went to the house of Jesse. Remember? And, and David had how many brothers? Six, because he was one of seven, right? Do you think any of those guys had kids? So, do you think anybody else lived in Bethlehem other than Jesse? How many people do you think are in this little town? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How busting forth you are tonight. I mean, think about it. I don't want to dispel a lot of your Christmas images, but Jesus, they didn't go to an inn. There probably wasn't a hotel there. What they did was they went to their relatives. And because all the relatives are coming in, think about it. All the relatives are coming in. Justin, you got relatives coming in too, right? Are they staying with you? No, they're staying staying with the Hayes, aren't they? Because there's no room in the inn, is there? Okay. And so the word in there really is guest chamber. Okay. So they had no space for him. So the next best place to put him was in the stable. That was, it was co-located. Many times they were underneath the house in order for the warmth of the animals, not the stench, but the warmth of the animals to keep the rest of the house warm during the winter time. Okay? And so they were there, and so it wasn't like they were just being rudely treated. It's just like they gave, they gave them a spot. Now, the other side of that, again, is from the perspective of the world that Mary is pregnant. A lot of pregnant, yeah, yeah. But out of wedlock. Out of wedlock. I mean, remember those, those um, terms were being used later on about Jesus. You know, isn't it true that you are, uh, okay? And so, so you got all this going on, right? So, so here we are. So the sign is then for these, these shepherds to go find this baby in Bethlehem. <laughs> That's the city of David. There's lots of people there. And he's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Well, okay, so I got to find a what? A, a semi-newborn baby. And it's going to be where? In a stable someplace. Because it's going to be lying in a manger. Can I have just a little bit more information on this one? I don't know if you've ever had to do this. I, I was the, the casualty notification officer one night. I got a call at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I had to be on post. And I said, should I, should I just get there around 6 or whatever? Like, no, you have to be there now. <laughs> exactly. You get it, right? I got to be there now. So I'm there. I got 2 o'clock in the morning. I get up. I got to shower. I got to shave. I got to get my, my dress greens on, you know, because I got to go. And, and I got to go find this family and tell them that their son died. Okay? All they gave me was his name in the city in which he lived. That's it. 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm driving to some place in South Carolina looking for someone. And so you stop at a gas station. You know, do you know this guy? So I finally found a fire station and said, do you know this, this name? And anyways, one by one, I felt like Magnum P.I. You know, I, I get to this one street where we think that there's people by that name living down the street. I go down the street at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And there's one guy out. So I get out and all his dogs start charging me. I look like the mailman, you know. And so... So I stand there like, oh, I'm this the day I'm going to die too. And so anyways, he's, oh, yeah, I think they live in the trailer up there. And so I go up there and I knock on the door too early in the morning. And anyways, but you get it. That's, these, these are the shepherds. They're trying to find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in somebody's manger. Steve? No, no, right. You will find. 
You will find. That's exactly right. That's ex- no, but, but by faith, that's where I'm going with it. By faith, they what? By faith, they believed. By faith, they went. Do you get it? And then what happens? God kicks in. The Holy Spirit what? Guides. How cool is this? But that's not what you're thinking necessarily right up front. You're thinking, I got a whole city to go find them. But that doesn't what? It doesn't stop him. They're excited about it. So the angels leave. They say, let's go find this miracle that, the, that we've been told of, right? So they go by faith to, to see it. And so as they're going forth now, they go and they see the, the baby lying in the manger just as it was told them. And so they, they're all excited about this thing. And then what happens? They turn around. They leave it. Verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was what? Told them concerning this child. What was their witness? What was their message? Good. What they had heard, what they had seen, yes, about the angels, but what they were told to say. They didn't know, they weren't theologians. They weren't out there probably studying the Old Testament. And they didn't have all the fulfillment. They didn't prepare a whole message on this thing. They went around, and what did they tell people? Hey! Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is really exciting, and he's coming to bring peace, and he's coming to bring the good favor of God among men. That's a pretty cool message, isn't it? There wasn't a whole lot more they needed to say. How do you know? An angel talked to us, not just one, but we're talking about an army of angels. Get rid of all those little thoughts you think about angels, buddy. I'm telling you, these were like warriors coming down, and this is the message they gave us. Now, you're in Bethlehem that day. <laughs> You've got a bunch of stinking shepherds coming around in the middle of the night, crying out this good news. What's your first thought? Come on, be honest. You're, you're, you're lying in bed that night, and you got a bunch of guys running down your street saying, Hey! Hey, wake up! We up! We got good news! Under you is born this day, in this city, right now, right now, the Savior, Mashiach Adonai, He's born! He's come! He's right now! He's bringing peace! And you're thinking what? 911, actually, I'm calling Hunter first. Hunter, <laughs> send, send the boys coming this way. Uh-huh, yeah. You've got calls like that, haven't you? I'm sure, you know. we got someone disturbing the peace. i got a bunch of drunk guys running down my street. But we're told the people, when they heard it, they what? They marveled. They marveled. They heard the message. They heard the message. And they marveled. And all those who heard it, marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Why do you think was different? What do you think was different about the shepherds? They were the lowest. But have you ever met somebody who you knew honestly believed everything that they were telling you? They had credibility just in the way they stated it. You knew it was true by how it was presented. I have to ask myself, 
Does genuineness come through when I talk to people? Do people see somebody who has seen Christ? Do, do people believe that there's a credibility in my witness? Because they see it change my life. Where should these shepherds be? In the field. With what? With their sheep. Shepherds don't leave their sheep. And yet these guys did. Because they saw a vision from the Lord. And they went forth with this message and they proclaimed it. How exciting it is. But then they go out and they, they share all this. But then after they return, verse 20, this is exciting. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Talking about a life-changing moment. And they spend the rest of the night. Can you sleep after that? I mean, they're just up all praising God. And I know I can't say it was all night. I'm, I'm embellishing. Okay. But I just can't imagine. I go, try to go to sleep, you know, and you, and you see it all play out again. And you just get up and you start putting your hands up and saying, oh, Yahweh, you are so awesome. Th- yes. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot believe that you chose this thinking shepherd to, to give that message to. Who are you? Who are you? That God has chosen to give you the greatest message that he's ever given to mankind. And do you know why he's given it to you? To do exactly with it what the shepherds did. How excited are you about the message? Are you pumped to tell everybody? Regardless of whether they think you're a drunk running down the road. That you just want everybody to know. That unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I get it. I feel like I need, I'm being convicted, I, not right now, but even before this. I need to get back on Facebook. I saw, I don't go on Facebook very often, but the Lord allowed me to see one post. Where someone I was not expecting to have posted this thing about Jesus Christ. It was good. Um, posted. But then another individual who I know the name of. I might have met this person once. Anyways been from a long time ago anyways the the individual posted a thing about you know um i'm gonna mess it up muhammad uh you know he's not living confucius isn't living buddha buddha isn't living yada yada yada. but jesus christ says i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me and he's still alive right and so this individual said yeah is he still walking on the earth now Anyways, nobody else made a comment. Just one comment. A lot of people liked that post. Da 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 da. But it seemed that post was put out days ago. Okay, I mean, I just again, I don't get on. Anyways, so, but the Lord wanted me to see that one post, and nobody responded. For the, now, I understand that this may have been not a, a a real inquisitive desire. It was more of a mockery, but it doesn't matter. Kids, kids club, what's the key verse? Come on, help me out. What's the kids club key verse? First, oh, this is an all play. Come on, this isn't just a bob. This is an all play. First Peter 3.15, but sanctify, she got it? Wait, wait, get, 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 where's the mic at? 
Well, we can't do the camera, so. Will she do it with the mic? You can do it, Emmy. Out of the mouth of babes, y'all. Always be ready with all your heart and me not when you're on a cynic. Oh, wrong one. Leonardo, that's, that's, that's Proverbs. Is it? You can do it, baby. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who has to be for the hope. Good. Always give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Amen. Emmy, you, you touched my heart today, baby. Thank you. That's exactly right. Okay? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you. Huh? Well, that's for later on. No. We, we can talk later. That's for later. But yes, I know I need to go back on. I didn't want to. I, I hate getting in. I, I hate. I hate social media. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna message them and I'm gonna say, Hey, man, if you're really interested in, in knowing that the answer to that one, I would love to talk to you. But I'm not gonna play the, the the Facebook social media thing. But we need to be ready. Oh, so excited to be able to tell people that Jesus is alive. So in the end, what is your reaction to the message of the angels? Are you excited about it? How excited are you that Mashiach Adonai, Christ the Lord, has been born? It ought to be transformational to your entire life. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone and received the gift of the peace of God, which God said he was bringing according to his good pleasure? And is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? So we're going to pray, but we're not done. We've got a communion still, okay? We're going to pray, we're going to sing a song, um, and then we're going to do communion, okay? So just... Don't get yourself packing up and like I'm walking out. We still have communion we want to do as well, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and willing to proclaim your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Justin, you want to lead?